Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of... Uh, be- beneath the screen of uh, of the Ultra Critics. That's a really good Dudley. And that really person talking Dudley. is my co-host, Thad. <laughs> That's true. And my other co-host is here also, Kara. That's a filthy, filthy lie. Yeah, but who are you? I'm Jeremiah. <gasps> oh! <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All right. Um, <laughs> no one does. Two movies we're looking at today are Fast Times at Ridgemont High and The Hollywood Nights, which, if you can't tell, we're talking about coming-of-age movies, or at the very least, mm-hmm. high school <laughs> comedies. High school or high school-adjacent yeah. movies? Movies that have to do with cars, maybe? There's, there's Look, there's things right. going um, on. Fast Times oh. is... N- Teen comedy films. These that's, are sex comedies. Are we not? Are we not saying that they're sex comedies? I mean, yeah. I well, guess that's also true. Hollywood Nights is more of a sex comedy than Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast, but yeah. Fast Times at Ridgemont High has a lot more actual sex in it and yes. dicks. Yeah, we do it. We do see at least one dick. That is mm-hmm. true. A lot of new- <laughs> super impressive though. And well, I will, I do remember going, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like we we paused it after because got to be respectful. Right. Uh, but like, the dick? it's uh, honestly both of these movies. I am struck by how sexless movies are in <laughs> the present. Uh, it's really something. Um, so Hollywood Night, the Hollywood Nights is probably the one people are least familiar with. It came out in 1980, directed mm-hmm. by Floyd Muttrux. Yeah, as far yeah, as I know. I know. Yeah, I don't um, know how to say it either. Much <laughs> like Fast Times at Richmond High, and American Graffiti, and a bunch of other sort of teen sex comedies of that time, uh, there's a, a, sort of a stomping ground for a lot of actors who w- would be go on to have bigger careers, or big careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Michelle Pfeiffer. Including Michelle Pfeiffer, Tony Danza, uh, Fran Drescher, mm-hmm. um, Robert Wall, who's a... A comedian. I'm more familiar for his comedies. I'm more familiar with him from the 1989 Batman. And the exactly. 1989 Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not only that, but like I can't detach seeing him right. from that because early memories. Gary Graham, um, as some other people might know, is. Oh, fuck, I'm blanking. I mean, don't look at me. I'm terrible at. See, this is why you bring up the Wikipedia what. article. <laughs> right, hold on. Robot Jocks was I recently I know. watched, which is not good. Oh, you! Oh, oh he man. was in the TV show Jocks. Alien Nation. Yeah. Ro- Robot Jocks is a movie that all of you, if you have not seen, have failed yourselves without <laughs> knowing, and I'm sorry that you have it's to. Does, uh, like the that. tonal balance is not 100 percent on Robot Jocks. <laughs> no, it is not. It's not at all. It's ridiculous. I love it so much. <laughs> um. I think it was Robot Jocks I was thinking of. I, like, he's a person that I've seen in a bunch of little things. Mm-hmm. Like, I recognize his weirdly shaped right. face. But, I was like, um, he has that sort of, like, he's not Peter Gallagher. Hmm. No. no. Um, but, Karen, this is uh, the movie that Karen suggested. Yeah, so this is very much, like, a sex comedy. Um, it's a romp, as people would say. I would agree. It is a romp. It is a romp, and it's a, a, it doesn't have a plot. And that Thaddeus points out neither one of these movies really. I mean, things happen and things are developed, but they don't real. They have story, but not plot. If that makes sense, right? 
It's about people involved with a place in a time. Yeah, and just like the sort of going-ons that happen as we check in and out of like a pretty large ensemble cast. Um, so the Hollywood Nights is, there is this drive through called Tubby's drive through on Halloween night. It's going to be shut down the next day. There's a, 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 a all-white, very important kind of, all-white car gang. This is, takes place in 1965. Um, it's an all-white gang of like motorcycle, you know, car heads who are going around making mischief putting flaming dog shit on people's doors, uh, throwing some pledges naked into the bad side of town to, like, get a dedication on a radio station. Mischief and hijinks ensue. Um, A nerd learns how to be cool. People try to have sex and fail. Um, Hypocrites are exposed for what they do. Cops are mocked. And someone pisses in the punch. And, you know, at the very end, it ends with a somebody being mooned with a giant hairy slightly acting ass hanging out of a window of a car window mm. and that's the freeze frame you do see a lot of bear there's ass. a lot of asses uh, in this one there's of a lot them of t- was particularly tits. um the one in the assembly i was like do you need a wipe yep <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a lot of bear we'll asses yeah. it's it's extremely funny because all of the asses you see that are women, you see women's asses and you see a lot of boobs in this movie. All of the women are tanned to the nines. And both of the, and this one, this movie takes place in California. All of the women are absolutely tanned, stunning. Every man's butt we see is the whitest, pastiest. <laughs> so this movie is set to take place in 65. It actually was obviously filmed in the early 80s. I am not sure how these people have computer tan asses in either one of those mm. decades, but damn if they didn't pull it off. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't really uh, tan naked, I think, in that era. Or at least dudes. So th- it's also very funny because the reason I suggested this movie, this very explicit sex comedy with a lot of sex jokes, girls being... I don't know if I call this really stem- explicit, but okay. It, well, because it means a lot of sex... Like, it's not an explicit film in the sense of, like, you're watching people have sex or it's softcore porn, but, like, it has... But it's it's, it's direct about its sex. Right. Yeah, it's like, not this, is, this is a joke about a guy getting his dick stuck in his zipper. This is... A, there's literally a conversation of, like, did you come too early? Yes, I came too early. Like, right. it's... There's not a lot of euphemism and stuff. They're talking about boobs. They're talking about sex. Um... This is a movie that I is actually a family favorite in my household because it is such a, a funny sex comedy. And since it's not like, again, softcore porn, my parents were like, Kara, there are boobs in this movie and they're going to talk about having sex. And so there are several parts of this movie that I did not understand for literally years. I did not understand <laughs> the conversation about, did you come? Yes, I came. I can't believe you did that. Like... Well, I was like, I understand what this conversation is, but I do understand it's supposed to be funny. So I've been watching this movie since <laughs> I was like seven. I, I think part of why uh, it doesn't feel explicit is because they also think about it. Mm-hmm. It's mm. not like, and it's not like in a way that's sort of like lecherous, if that makes any sense. It's just yeah. very much as teenagers, these are horny idiots. Yes. Yeah. And like, and even then, also, it's weirdly. Not as rapey as a lot of teen sex comedies. It's a little exploitative, yeah, but not rapey. Right. Yeah, the, like the and also like the the protagonists uh, are allowed to look like buffoons and creeps. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the the movie doesn't really shy away from that. It's just it also 
sort of keeps moving. Yeah, so, so like uh, Turk Newbomb, the sort of main character, uh, takes pictures of a bunch of girls suntanning topless, and they're like, you're disgusting, you're a creep. Like, they're not hugely upset about it, and it's a gross thing for him to do, but it's framed as a gross thing for him to do because he's kind of a sad little boy. Right. And then he farts all over a stage, which is hilarious. Well, and also, like, <laughs> the antics in the movie... It's a 1980 movie that takes place in 1965. And so mm-hmm. the antics yeah. they are pulling are 1965 antics. When yeah. fighting mm-hmm. on stage is a huge deal. But in <laughs> 1980, it's like, no. He put his dick in the punch. This is a movie that is quoted so much in my household. I, I Like, all of these... I, it's one of those movies I could say lines for lines. Just uh, That's... Extremely funny to me, and uh, still. Also, uh, a main plot line is some local idiot police are trying to, like, keep down on the Halloween hijinks. And uh, there's literally m- multiple instances of them h- screaming at children, hitting people, harassing people. Police brutality is mentioned. Like, it's all kind of treated like a joke. But the film very much frames as, like, cops are the enemy. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. I'm like, you know, like that's the... a progressive message. Like, you know, we might say it's funny to take ca- to take pictures of a teenage girl's tits without her consent, and you know, it's a little questionable. But it is always funny to f- to stuff up a co- to stuff up a toilet and then have a cop poop in it, and then have the poop water get all over his uniform, and then he falls into garbage, so he's covered in nothing but <laughs> shit water and garbage. Well, that's always a good bit. His partner takes out a gun and just starts shooting at the door. Yeah, and he's, he's like stuck yeah. in the door. <laughs> It's like, that's dangerous. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, there, there is something like... that. It, it's a, generally speaking, kind of a harmless movie, but it, it there is something sort of transgressive about the fact that, like, the way they set up the cops' interactions is that their their sergeant, like, tells them that they're... Like, basically, that police brutality isn't allowed because they don't want to embarrass the rich people who are buying the, diners, the diner well, property. Well, okay, so... Like... Being anti-cop is not new in films. We used no. to be much more anti-cop in films. But mm-hmm. yeah. the whole scene where the sergeant or whatever tells them, keep the police brutality to a minimum. And admitting yep. that it is a way that they do it, that it is a function mm-hmm. of the department, that's pretty big, especially for a teen sex Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's it was a weird like because it was the first time I had seen this and it was a weird place to start. <laughs> like it, there's a lot go like this movie has a very like almost I don't know cartoon energy to yes. it. And early on, it's a little bit hard to figure out where it's going or at least to to like catch up with its energy. But uh, it does it it, it like it, it's disor. I would say I was pretty disoriented at first, but once you sort of get into the flow of it it, it well, works because, very well. well and then um, but like the drive-in is being so the homeowners association believes that destroying the drive-through where these mischievous kids get together to plan their antics will essentially prevent them from being little shits to the neighborhood i have no no idea where they get this idea but that's what they think and then they're also going to pull down this drive-in where all of these kids hang out and eat food and talk to each other and they're going to put up an office building and again the it's not like weighed on a huge bit, but it's just one of those interesting things that again, this was made in the eighties and to think like, Oh, they're taking a place where children and youths can harmlessly congregate, destroying that 
building urban sprawl in the form of this office space instead and like that was a thing and to think where this got us now where people are complaining that children never go outside and they won't talk to each other they won't do this and do that it's like yeah you tore down every place for kids to hang out and build office spaces because you hated the fact that children existed it's, it's as though they paved paradise and put up a parking lot well and going back to what Thad was saying about how the energy so in the very beginning it is almost kind of off-putting because it is like it's trying to go for a sort of like American Graffiti Robert Altman type of like energy yeah. of everyone talks at once there's a lot of overlapping yeah. dialogue there's a phoneticness about it that feels kind of forced that's the word I was looking yeah. for phonetic and, but yeah. eventually it starts to find it's like tone or you either it finds it's tone or you just get used to it either way i got used to it but from it's like there there are instances that almost feel episodic yeah. in like the opening 20 minutes or so where it's like you it, it's hard to figure out when things are happening or how much time right. is passing and eventually it doesn't matter. um well and also for me right about the time there's a character in hollywood nights uh, by the name of dudley Waylicker. <gasps> we love dudley played by stewart <laughs> i believe it's pankin who he's hmm. one of those character actors once you see you've seen him a hundred times in other movies he hmm. usually plays the dweeb or the scheming landlord or something he's always that guy he's a that guy actor and yeah. he's doing a really good impersonation of what the Simpsons what's that one Simpsons nerd uh, in boys class oh god the mouth uh, breather yeah do you, do you mean Milhouse? Milhouse? no 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 that's Milhouse is his friend you know the one yeah. I'm talking yeah. but anyway yeah yeah, I'm bad. I'm bad with names, but I, I remember. He's he that. plays the basically the prototypical nerd, and mm. the the Hollywood Knights kind of bully him. But there's a point where mm-hmm. they kidnap him again, and he goes, "New bomb? Is that you? Yeah, Dudley. It's, it's nothing personal. Oh, it's okay. I understand. Please be careful with the the cape. It's vintage. It's like those like once <laughs> they acknowledge the fact that there's nothing personal, it becomes less." bullying it's like oh you guys really are just having a fun time you don't dislike yeah. Dudley and by the end Dudley has basically been initiated into the group without having to go through initiation well because yeah. he went through it's, his own it, it's very sweet init- and it, it's very sweet even the first time they're bullying Dudley uh, so they, they kidnap him because they want to take his stuff and use his slot to go on stage and pretend to play the violin and then hold it with their dick it's it's complicated. It's mischief. It's a very complicated scheme for what is in the in the end a very lame joke. But the teenagers, so they will do that. Yeah. But what, but one of the, the thing is, the I, first time oh. they grab Dudley and they like kidnap him and they're gonna take his clothes and put a bag over his head, and uh, du- Dudley is upset and he's like, I need my puffer because he's having an asthma attack to like indicate that he is a loser. But they, but Newbaum goes, oh, give him his puffer, give him his puffer, and so they do that, and then they're like, you're going to be okay, don't you don't need to freak out because again, their goal is not to harm Dudley. They right. are not interested in bullying a vulnerable person. They're just using him to harass authority. There, there's never any intent to harm the nerd or the dweeb, and I actually really like that. There's also something like the it's it's a movie that. In terms of achieving anything, like like in terms of characters achieving anything, like 
there's not even a question of the fact that the diner is closing. This is not a we're gonna like wait one last something to keep open the rec center. Like it's it's just like this this part of their 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 sort of way of life is going away. And one of the other things that's sort of invoked uh, is is the the rising specter of Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, in a in a way that's like. I don't know, a little, a little heavy-handed, but still does make sense. It makes sense, but um, like, it feels almost disconnected from the movie because Tony Danza and Graham's character are never like they ne- they are the original Hollywood Knights or older Hollywood Knights, but they never feel like integral to the gang. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's it's the, that's one of the things about it is it, it sort of fails to cohere in the larger themes that it, it seems to want to play with in the background, but that also kind of doesn't matter. Like I, I, I feel like it, you know, if you want to gesture at that, I get why. Um, but like focusing on like these are just you know these kids trying to have fun at the end of this like period. Yeah, I think what it ultimately uh, is is about how things change and how things don't, and hmm. how authority is always shit. Right. Well, that's the thing <laughs> what I'm talking about. Like things don't change because the not, the idea that there's a homeowners association in Beverly Hills that wants to get rid of a drive-in. Because of a bunch of kids who hang out there and cause mayhem, when clearly they tend to leave the people in Beverly Hills alone. Mm-hmm. They're only yeah. antagonizing the people who are antagonizing them. <laughs> yeah, and also like all of their pranks are harmless, with the exception, I suppose, uh, there is a great prank where they piss in the punch at right. the homeowners association like dance. And then they actually try to warn people. Like the pun- they all take the punch. They basically kidnap it. They del- they all pee in it. They deliver it. And then when it is delivered, they immediately want New Bomb Turk again. The Hollywood Knights leader uh, starts knocking on the window and yelling, "My dick, my dick in the punch. I put my dick in the punch." So they know that there's something wrong right. with it. Like the goal is to let them be disgusted by the fact there's piss in it, not to have them drink pee. Right. And they ignore it. And, the, and him. the cops, of course, d- love the the taste it's of. Got a bit of wang in it. Uh. Got a bit of wang in it. <laughs> um, which, by the way, that cop, Officer Bimbo. <laughs> if you've ever watched a, any Ernest movie, you'll recognize him. <laughs> um, let's see, Officer Bimbo. Oh, that's where I know him from. Yeah, he's uh, Ernest's best friend. Who does a really cool eye movement? Did a lot of um. Uh, let's see, Officer Bimbo, where are you? Uh, his name is uh, Gaylard yeah. Sartain. Wow. Yeah, yeah, hell of a name. That's a, that's, a, that's an old-fashioned name. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he is what him and the guy who plays his partner, Sandy Hellbook, Officer Clark, do a really good sort of like fat man, skinny man routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're also like Clark is also you can clearly tell like maybe. Not as into the whole like being an abusive pick. Hmm. It's uh yeah, it's the, the has, sort of the asshole and the straight man. Like, he has no desire along. to stop. Yeah, he has no desire to stop yeah. it. Yeah. In fact, it's again, he's the one shooting at the door with a loaded gun. <laughs> the hell's yeah, wrong probably. with you? Um. But yeah, no, I was really sort of the evolution of Dudley was impressive. The strong anti-cop stance. But also, hmm. like, the way, like, as it moved along, the way characters would pop in and out. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hey. Like, Fandrasha would disappear for a while, but then show up. Mm-hmm. In a way that was, like, 
the like the through thread was the Hollywood Nights, but in all actuality, the through th- the it was it felt like one night in this weird specific piece of geographical land. Because we also yeah. followed the caterers for like a time. We followed the, yeah for a little the DJ, while the, the changing of the guard DJs. The, yeah, the the pledge guys who are like having to run right. through Watts naked. Which yeah. I will say, as Kara brought up, this uh, the next movie has a problem with this too. Um, there mm. is a weird sort of segregation. Yep. And this is 1965, so it makes I guess historical. I mean, it's 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 19. So the movie takes place in 1965. Again, it's filmed in 1980, and it is like in Beverly Hills versus Watts. But it's interesting that this like car gang that hangs out all night at the drive-through—they uh, are all white. Yeah. And they are very ex- it's very explicit that like one of the reasons they're scared to go to Watts is because it is a place where black people are and black people are actually like for all they're like I'm in a car gang. They are not hard. Like right. oh this <laughs> and it's it's also like a, a funny thread is that black people are actually cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're they're cool and normal. Like the none of the like a lot of the the, the cartooniness of the the central cast like the black folks we run into are they're kind of looking a little a little bit looking down on the ridiculousness of what the the main characters are all, doing all of, all of the like, black oh, people okay. you meet are like That's what weird. is this white nonsense well and like the two caterers <laughs> kind of, who happen yeah. to be black <laughs> they do yeah, that yeah, yeah. wonderful thing of like oh but the building of uh, of the arthur newbaum and he's like uh, oh yeah i think i heard of that basically going along if, if i say yes will this conversation end sooner yes yeah and then, or just those guys who are hanging out outside the radio station, like yeah. jamming, uh, who who help out the the dipshit pledges. At the yeah, end. they help out. It, it's it's great because the pledges are naked, and so they show up. They've stolen a bunch of women's clothes off the line. They are carrying tires that they were using to initially cover their dicks, and they just run into these guys who are, these black guys who are hanging outside the radio station. They explain like, "Hey, we're pledges in this motor in this like car club." Will you please tell the DJ to do a dedication on the radio at 2 a.m. because we have to try and make it back to like get into the club in time. We have to be in two places at once. And these guys who do not know them are not paid. Are like, yeah, sure, we'll do that for you. You seem kind of goofy. This is fun. Hey, yeah. do you want to take a pull off our joint? And the pledges are like, sure. And the pledges cannot handle the joint. And the black guys are like, yeah, that's why we offered it to you. Like they don't say it, but it's very much obvious that they're like, it's funny when they can't handle their drugs. uh it's yeah it's 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 got its charm well yeah no it's like it it won me over by the end and i also love like the way the assembly seemed much more realistic than i than most assemblies in which the student body did not want to be there yeah, <laughs> like the moment the guy's yeah, like, I don't want to give a speech, and they just applaud. <laughs> like you get it, the closer you get to the present, the more like movies will have high school assemblies be like the protagonists are the only ones not interested, and like the rest of the school is for some reason right. into it. Yeah, uh, which is alien. Right. Well, that's also a thing in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, like there was yeah, I I had a really good time with it. It felt we honestly. I think its weakest moments are when it tries to be serious. Yeah. I was gonna say like the, the Vietnam aspect, which was I admired because they're trying mm. to say something. 
Hashtag you tried. Right. <laughs> but it's like, it's not, it doesn't quite work because, again, it feels disconnected. Yes. Yeah, right, and also because it's only, like, they almost never mention it in any of the other storage. Like, not even in the yeah, background, uh, which it, if they had, the looming specter of Vietnam probably would have felt like, oh. Like, it's it's uh, it's part of, like, Tony Danza and Michelle Pfeiffer's story, which is in itself not very well no, set up. No, because I don't know what they're arguing about till like, maybe later. And yeah. also, they just don't have chemistry as a couple. Oh, God, no. no. He is, he is no, not. No, absolutely not. Uh, Robert, Robert Wall and Fran Drescher yeah. have more chemistry <laughs> than... Uh, it's also uh, just, like, a, a terrible thing because... Um, it's again one of those things that probably most people wouldn't even see a problem with it but uh michelle pfeiffer who is michelle pfeiffer uh is like i want to be a famous actress and i have like a screen test tomorrow she's gonna she's at work at 2 a.m she has a screen test at like seven like in about four hours (laughs) and and her boyfriend is like "Uh, why are you wanting to be a famous actress and maybe waste your time and she's like i want to give it a shot and then later on, he's like, I'm just worried. Like, what if you're successful without me? And she's like, oh, this is love. And it's like, oh, those men. I've dated those men. You dump those men. <laughs> you dump the shit out of him. You are a beautiful blonde Michelle Pfeiffer living in Beverly Hills, California in 1965. I promise you, you will find better. I promise you, you'll find a 90-year-old millionaire who will leave you everything. You do not need Captain... <laughs> shit on your dreams because uh, well, I just remember sitting there going why are you two together you don't even uh, like each yeah, other what is, what is happening it, it, it's honestly just the classic like oh yeah the, I just want to fight with you and make you miserable because you might be successful without me well, and like again it's supposed to be like oh he's grown I don't care if he's grown well, the he Danza, didn't grow up alone now Danza, Pfeiffer, Graham like that entire thing with the mechanics, you. Yeah. I don't normally advocate you could cut this out. Yeah. But you could, <laughs> and the movie it's almost flows better because again they don't. The only time you see them with anyone else in the movie is at the very end, and then yeah, weird... the one dude's girlfriend who is talked about but never seen shows up, and I'm like, hmm. why is she a secret? <laughs> yeah, it was like the it's. That that I that that chunk of the movie either needed uh, needed some retooling or needed to go. Uh, it's also and... quite funny because again they're like eighteen, nineteen years old, and he keep, continually refers to his girlfriend as as his old lady. Yeah, which I'm like, yeah, that this, that that did make me laugh. Like, uh, I mean, maybe that was just how how people did it back in the day. Well, I think but, that's uh, yeah. someone in the '80s trying to capture the lingo of the '60s. Because it's <laughs> I, mean, the, I guess so. Uh, Muttrucks also wrote the screenplay. Uh, yeah, but. It's, yeah, it's one of the things where, like, there are a couple of times when they use slang, 60 slang, it's like, no, that can't be right. That, no. Even if it's right, you still shouldn't have done it. Like, some <laughs> things are not going to age well. I mean, it'd be like, hey, let's make a movie in 2002 and have the kids call everything gay. We could not. <laughs> that is a thing that we could choose not to do on so yeah. many levels. I choose not to run. Like that. Um, <laughs> Just do not do it. Which brings us to Fast Times at Richmond High. Oh, it does. So I would I would like to share something about this movie as well. Okay. Um, I have mm. never seen it before, but I did read the book, and I read the book when I was about fourteen or fifteen. Okay. And the book is very much about Fast Times at Richmond High. So 
it follows again like an ensemble cast it's based on a true story and all of these kids are having so much sex very young and i just remember being like 15 years old and being like am i supposed to be doing this (laughs) am i supposed to be having sex because i'm gonna be honest all of the boys i know in school are literal children and the thought of them touching me is disgusting like (laughs) i was like oh because there's a this one conversation where where this girl loses her virginity at 15 and her friend mentions that she lost it at 14 and i was just sitting over here like oh fuck am i (laughs) am i behind like i think i'll just die alone (laughs) (laughs) uh so so yeah it's one of those things that as an adult watching this and being like god it's like what it sucked to be a teenager so much because you had to figure out everything for the first time because teenagers are kind of like toddlers like they've never felt romantic love before and they don't know how to do it they've never felt sexual attraction before and they're going through it for the first time and so when you read it when you're 15 you're like oh shit am i doing this wrong but when you go back and see it as an adult you're like oh god these poor little mutants well i hope they survive long enough to realize how sad this is and funny well the difference between fast times and hollywood nights is hollywood nights is very much almost like removed from his characters Yes. Whereas mm. Amy Heckerling and uh, Cameron Crowe, who wrote the book and the screenplay. Um, yeah. Cameron Crowe, the original undercover high right, school student. Do a very good job of letting you inside these characters. Yeah. Like Heckerling's hmm. choice to win uh, Jenna Lace's char- Jennifer Jason Lace's character loses her virginity to actually do a point of view shot of what she's focusing on as it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, just trying to get through it or trying to focus on something. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, like... Yeah, that's the good... Stacey. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, like, this movie treats sex uh, more realistically than... uh, Like, it it treats it like a thing in the world that is not, uh, like, romantic magic or... Like, the the characters talk about it that way because they're literal children. But, like... Especially when it comes around to the uh, uh, abortion part. Like, I don't know if I've seen a movie that was specifically about abortion just treat it as a thing that is, like, part right. of the world in the way that this right, movie Right, because does. it's like, we're going to, I'm going to have an abortion. Okay, you pay for half. And I want to ride. <laughs> and it's... Yeah, it's just so, so, all very real. So very quickly, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High... Is very much mainly focusing on a pair of siblings, uh, Stacy and Brad, although it includes other people and other issues. Uh, Brad is in his senior year and has a cool job and a cool car and is thinking about dumping his girlfriend so he can be a free man uh, his senior year and fuck around. And instead loses his job and his whole life slowly disintegrates until he stops a robbery at the end of the movie. And his little sister Stacy and her much more worldly friend Linda. Stacy wants to become an adult and do adult things. Loses her virginity to a 26-year-old. Goes out on a date with a very awkward equal equal 15-year-old who does not sleep with her. Sleeps with his friend. She sleeps with uh, his friend. Gets pregnant. The uh, demand Not demands, but like tells the friend, like, hey, you got me pregnant. I need to have an abortion. Drive me to the clinic and pay for half. The friend cannot get the money together. Is too embarrassed to show up. And um, there's also a plot line about a gentle stoner and his somewhat assholeish teacher fighting each other through the year only to come to an understanding at the end. And it's yeah, Sean Penn, everybody's favorite, just gentle stone. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, very, very interesting. 
performance and so it's it's a lot the, the discussion of again discussion of sex is very normal and very frank like this is a thing that you do this is people fuck each other it happens it's enjoyable you can use it to get ahead you can manipulate people with it you can have fun with it you can dislike it again the characters are are very young and it, it's one of those things that as as reading as a 14 and 15 I'm like oh shit i'm behind whatever <laughs> i mean i've i've never had friends anyway i don't give a shit i've been a loser now no, till now there's no reason to change it but watching it as an adult and I'm like baby you do not need to be giving your phone number to men you meet at work who are 26 years old and losing your virginity at 16 like at 15 you do not it's fine it's fine to wait until college <laughs> and she's like yeah the first time I had sex it hurt a lot it's like yeah because you had sex on like a f- in the back of a car when you were 15 with a 26 year old man you could have had a much better first time experience or at least much less awkward it was in a dugout I'm not sure if it could have been yeah the dugout on a bench which is not comfortable to sit on much less what they were Mm. doing no those those are meant to torture you for the crime of playing (laughs) baseball it's very much like oh like I understand why my parents generation is so screwed up now (laughs) well and also like speaking of Spigoli Sean Penn's character it is Gentle easy stoner. to forget how much sweetness he brings to that role. Oh, he's so sweet. He is a he, Like, puff. the way That's when amazing. Mr. Han, Ray uh, Halston's character, starts going off on him, like, hey, you poor child. Because <laughs> he's honestly like, I don't get it. <laughs> there was a line at the vending machine. Why don't I? <laughs> uh, oh, also, uh, speaking of... Uh, famous people uh, in this movie we also have a, a young Forrest Whitaker playing a, a part about uh, uh, like a, a football okay, quarterback so Forrest Whitaker is the uh, thing I wanted to mention he is the yes. one character not given any kind of like interior life mm-hmm. yeah not not really any like, at all the only time uh, you see him is with not in the sense that we get a glimpse of all the other uh, characters interior lives there's yeah. never a scene with yeah, just yeah. him alone like we get all the other characters no, he he, he very much is he like he, he's a, a very yeah the general trope of like here is football player yeah. man. Uh, he and he's will also, also beat the shit out outside of, of his little brother, the lone black. Those are what we yeah, know. he's he's a an amazing player. A leg- he's like an amazing football player. He has no, he has a car, and so he exists more as myth and legend than man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, Brian. Let's see here. Robert Ramona says Damone, the scout. Oh, the guy who played uh, Mike. I'm yeah. just going to say, I, I I see this character all the time. I refuse to believe they exist. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've never met a teenager I, I who looks like Top Cat in reality. Um... But you said you never met a teenager who what? Who who look who acts and behaves like Top Cat <laughs> in reality? It, okay, is is this like I see this in movies, and so it's a trope now. So when I see it now, I'm like, oh, this is the trope. Was this a thing in the '80s? Was this a thing in the '60s? Like, where do we get this idea of like high school is going to be the greatest years of your life? Because literally, no one ever said that to me. Everyone told me high school will be the worst years of your life, and they were wrong. Because the worst years of my life were late twenties and junior high, but well, yeah, and also <laughs> yeah. no one I knew was ever that cool or connected for scalping tickets. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, like, money is very weird. Because, again, this movie, Fast Times at Richmond High, takes place in, like, the early, late, very late 70s, very early 80s. Like, 79 to 82, sometime in there. If you want to consider, like, when the book was written, published, when the movie was made and came out. Yeah, I think I think I, I read that uh, Cameron Crowe did his undercover thing when he was 22, which would put it at 79. I yeah, think. and like so, this guy's like scalping tickets for like a hundred dollars, and it's like, wait, how much money would that have been at the time? Like another kid, like gets a, a Spicoli, gets a to annoy the teacher, gets a pizza delivered to him in class, and my absolute thought is like. That's like $30. How did you afford that? Okay, not in the 80s. <laughs> Where I you all get these fucking probably, money? Like, things were much cheaper because we also didn't pay anybody anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, everything... It's just one of those funny things where you're like, how the world has changed, because I don't know if most people could afford to get a pizza delivered to school. I, I go back to the time I saw Taxi Driver at the film forum in New York City, and he bought, like, milk duds, popcorn, and a Coke for, like, $1.75 at the movie theater. Just the eruption <laughs> yeah. of laughter in this audience. Of like, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. History makes fools of us all. <laughs> um, but uh, watching Fast Times at Richmond High, it's much. It has a lot of similarities in the fact that there's no central like plot, and it's very mm. much sort of like it covers more time, and I think. It does what Hollywood Nice tries to do with the Vietnam thing better in terms of yeah. how things change and don't. While not having any kind of looming threat or specter. Yeah, the, the looming threat is really just right. adulthood. It's the fact that Brad lost his job. And quite frankly, I, um, he probably shouldn't have been fired because that guy was being a dick. Mm. At the same time... Yeah, that guy was 100% a dick. I do love how the girl felt like, just apologize, you can probably get your job back. And it's like, no, I have principles. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I'm on here with two fast food veterans, <laughs> so uh. I, I am. Cur- I was curious about the uh, the, the take on, uh, on what has changed and what hasn't with regard to at least how those are represented. Uh, it, uh, it's pretty accurate. I would say that... Um, the most accurate thing is that, and I, Jeremiah, excuse me if I'm out of place, men should not be on the front line because they are not good at handling shitty, horrible <laughs> customers that are screaming and cussing at you. I think that's the most accurate thing is like, why did you let a fry cook stand on the register? Of course he's going <laughs> to scream at the customers. You can't have a fry cook talk to people. Um, at the fast food places I've worked at, there hasn't really been that kind of big delineation. I will mm-hmm. say uh, the nervousness and the sort of stress you feel when a guest is just out of nowhere starting to rip you a new one. That's 100% mm-hmm. spot on. That was a little bit of like a flashback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, w- I went from fast food to collections. Right. So the idea of someone screaming at me. Uh, eventually, I did reach a point where I was like, oh, uh, give me the bad customer. Oh, we'll have a talk. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've been watching you, sir. I know what makes you nuts, and I'm going to say every single thing that sets you off. I get paid by the hour, and you're here for free. <laughs> like, you lose <laughs> your mind at a certain point. Well, I have become the person at the movie theater of give Jeremiah the problem customer because he's not afraid to say no. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate it superpower. Is. 
Um, again, like when we had the fire alarm and the one guy, <laughs> he was like, well, that's not on fire. Why can't we get in? I don't know what you want me to say to that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... What did you think the answer was going to be? Yeah, I, I would say that the awfulness of a customer screaming insults at you and then smugly lying to the manager about the interaction that just happened, like, that that did have have me in a tiny bit of a rage like oh those sons of bitches I don't, I don't know why people do that I, I will say um, the nudity in Fast Times uh, in, hmm. p- in particular Phoebe Case's nudity an infamous scene yeah. even though it's directed by a woman feels more exploitative than most of the nudity almost all of the nudity in Hollywood Nights I would tend to agree it's it's doing a very like. I understand what it's doing. Mu- yeah, I like. I think I think it's succeeding too hard at what it's doing. In like it, it succeeded at what it wanted to do too well. Yeah. Well, because that's uh, you're talking about like when Brad is fantasizing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, in all fairness, the the nudity scene is Brad looking at his sister's friend masturbating to her and like the fantasy he has of her like opening her top and I also think it's very funny because it indicates like Brad has had sex he's had sex with his previous girlfriend and of course his fantasy is not having sex with this girl it's her showing him her boobs right it's a pretty mild fantasy (laughs) Hmm. actually I uh, I thought the implication was that Brad has not had sex with his girlfriend and it's driving him insane he wants to go to make out point yeah Mm. and she's like no uh, it's not proper or whatever and then she ends up dumping him because she wants to be free uh, in, <laughs> well, yeah, and one thing I do like about well both these movies do really well um, outside mm. of uh, Hollywood Nights having like like intentional villains um, yeah. there are no black and white villains in Fast Times even Mr. Hand who's kind of a dick you understand yeah. where he's coming from yeah, I, I like where they end up going with Mr. Hand. Uh, uh, Mr. Hand eventually mark. on the night of like the graduation dance, like God damn, there used to be a lot of dances. Yeah, uh, the night of the graduation <laughs> dance shows up at the house of his dumbass stoner student to give him a lecture and argue with him for as he's calculated, you have wasted eight of my hours. I'm going to waste eight of yours, and keeps him up for hours arguing with him about history until he feels satisfied that this sort of sweet, dumb druggy surfer has like a sufficient grasp of the topic and it also sort of indicates that like this kid was going to fail history and that the teacher is going to pass him so he can just go ahead and graduate right but like also like it, he doesn't do the full eight hours because he makes it to the dance mm-hmm. he makes yeah. it to the dance at the end it's like oh yeah well after four hours I-, I let you give your surfer bro explanation of history and I'm satisfied and I'll let you pass and the kid is like you weren't going to pass me Mr. Hand Dude, you didn't show up to class. You showed up to class. You rolled out of your van that you were hotboxing in and ordered a pizza in class. No, bro, you weren't going to fucking pass. <laughs> um, also, quick shout out to Vincent Chiavelli as Mr. Vargas. Hmm. He was the science teacher. Oh, he is yeah. always. He is joy. also another one of those, that guy. He's in Ghost. He's oh, also. Yeah. A, oh, I was immediately like, oh, I thought he was dead on the train. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> better off dead, Buffy. Um, he's just one of those unique character actors who we just can't have anymore because he looks so unique. 
I mean, I feel like you're missing the most important one, which is, of course, the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth well, yeah. dimension. That's a given. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's also interesting that even though some of these uh, people went on to be like very famous actors in their own right, the way they're done up, all of them are very normal-looking people. Yeah. yeah. They're all incredibly so, normal-looking people. Completely alien to contemporary Well, yeah. even Phoebe Cates, <laughs> who's meant to be the hot one, looks normal. Hmm. Thaddeus and I were actually discussing her because she's also in Drop Dead Fred, another one of my favorite movies of all time. Ultimate classic. Yeah, everyone everyone loves (laughs) Drop Dead Fred. Everyone is unanimously praised. And (laughs) Phoebe Cates is like a slightly elevated girl next door. She has like this very pretty doll-like face, but again, she doesn't look unnatural or inhuman or like she had to step out of like a high-class fashion magazine. She looks like somebody that you might actually work with or go to school with who's just very, very pretty. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, uh, if you're a if you're a person who's slightly more normal, you'd probably know her from Gremlins. Yeah. But, uh. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but also, getting back to Brad because he's kind of a dig. Hmm. Oh, Judge yeah, Reinhold is, is great at this kind of. But then he shows up in a clutch for his sister after she gets the abortion, and it's like, yeah, yeah I'm not he... gonna tell mom and dad. You're fine. Yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna. He's like, who did it? And she's like, I'm not gonna say. And then he's like, well, I'm not gonna tell mom and dad. And it's fine. He's not mad at her. He's not judgy yeah. about it. He's like, oh, like, this is a thing that you needed to do. Like, it's unfortunate that this is kind of the situation that you're in. But he just, he just lets it go. There's nothing else to be said. What's also great is that when uh, Stacy's friend Linda, played by Phoebe Cates, when Linda finds out that the guy who impregnated her did not pay for half and like dipped out of giving her a ride to the clinic. She loses her shit, defaces his car, and defaces his locker. And, and I'm like, and every locker, like yeah, school yeah. locker, gym locker, it's 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 a good well, like, uh, revenge and even spree. When Mike, when he chickens out, we get enough yeah. of an understanding of he. It's implied that he's really quite poor. Yeah. Yeah. He he tries, but because he fails to get that seventy five dollars, like he can't face it, and so he. But, but we do see him try right. and fail, and I do. He think did that the is wrong important. thing, but we understand why he chose, and he even begins to realize yeah. maybe I should have just been up like I couldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it's very much like he tried. He understands that he should get the money. He understands this is the right thing to do, and since he can't get the money together, he kind of panics. And it's like, okay, like that, but that makes sense because you're, you are a child. You are 17 years old. (laughs) And since you have never experienced the, I have fucked somebody over and I cannot do the thing I need to do to hold up my end. And I have to eat that crow and tell them he panics because he's a child. Yeah. It's, it's very well done. I, I am not like, I would not be surprised if this, that this is based on things that, you know, supposedly actually happen. Also, I just need a... The stereo salesman who um, Stacy uh, goes after, Ron Johnson, might be the. What? No, that's the guy's the character's name. <laughs> oh, I that's thought you. Were, I was name. like, wait, what? Yeah. And, uh, the character's name is Ron Johnson. That has to be the single yeah. most perfect name for a stereo mall salesman. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> who picks up girls at the food court? That's... I'm like, yeah, that's 100. Yeah. percent who checks how old a, the girls... Ironically, that is also what you would name that character in a porn with that <laughs> yep. plot. Who also, before he picks up girls at the food court, checks how old they are. Which, on one hand, good on you, buddy. But on the other he hand, checks, like, why, why are you asking? <laughs> like, 
That means you understand that there's a possibility, and there's a possibility maybe you should go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, and again, even if she's 19 and you're 26, like, I don't know. It's not that, like, it's it's on the line of, like, a per, an age gap problem. It's like, you know she's in high school. Right. Even if she's 19 years old, you know this is a high school girl. Right. Like, date date someone your own age. Right. Like, there's no need for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's date a someone who's... question. It's still also done irresponsibly. <laughs> yeah. Like, just date someone on on your level. If you're a, an adult who's full-time working in the world, don't maybe don't consider dating somebody who you know is in high school. Well, and he doesn't date her. He just sleeps with her. Well, and also, um, Phoebe Case's character is having a mm-hmm. relationship with an older man. Oh, I 100% believe she's 100%. lying constantly. Like, I honestly, like, it feels like she's <laughs> lying about it because it's, again, it's it's the woman version of I have a girlfriend in Canada. Yeah, I look, I love the fact that this is not proven or really even suggested, but I, I there's no doubt in my mind that she's lying about having a boyfriend right. out of state. Like, it's... I like I don't, maybe that's just me, but I feel like well again that's Kara said. The f- uh, I, I the thought of these boys <laughs> touching me disgusts me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah, it's it's one of the things when you realize that um, teen sex comedies are very influential on teenagers, but they are made for adults because this stuff is not funny until you've been there. And gotten out the other side and been like, oh yeah. Because the joke is not that. So there's this part where um, Linda is teaching Stacy how to give a blowjob. And the joke is not. It is like, do you remember how afraid you were of this? Which, I mean, maybe you two gentlemen did not have the experience of asking a friend, like, how do you suck a dick? But that is a thing that's, that happens with a lot of girls. And being like, man, aren't you glad that you're past this? like stage of being afraid of men and sex and not knowing what's going on and isn't it funny what it was like to be in it and you're like yes this is funny now when you're a kid you're like I should be taking notes (laughs) well and that's the weird (laughs) thing about teen sex comedies and why they sort of there is this sort of very real exploitative line that they walk because Mm. they are about teenagers sex lives made almost depending on the movie explicitly not the teenagers and, and but the yeah. teens think it's made for them they're like <laughs> oh this is what we should be watching like i'm thinking a lot about american pie or like this is normal this is what normal people are like it's like no this is the memory of how awful it was to be a teenager and have yeah, to learn how to do everything for the first time with a bunch of other idiots right. who are also learning how to do everything Especially for the because first time. the adults are being no help in this area Never. It's a it's a genre that does for sex what propaganda does for <laughs> cops, which is give people a completely deranged idea of. Well, what I think it also is. both movies, Hollywood Nights, has a lot more adults, but the adults are just as clueless and bumbling yeah. as the teenagers. Uh, whereas Fast Times at Richmond High, they are viewed as strange like and alien abs- simply because, again, it's from the teenagers' point of view. Yeah, like the the parents are absent, the bosses are assholes, and the the teachers are either insane or just like single minded. Right. <laughs> uh, it's it, which I think again is very much like how it appears when you oh, are yeah. that age. I, I remember that really the, the friends great thing of mine heckling movie. teachers in high school. 
And like, why? Why would we do that? The man is not getting paid enough to deal with your shit. Yeah. Like, do you realize how early, like, the amount of work he had to do, and then there's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also... Although, Whomst Among Us did not have a teacher that you're like, I am going to use the power I have, the power of not having a job or any responsibilities, to make this person's life a living hell at their job. <laughs> because they deserve it. Because fuck them. I will say, both of these movies, because of the time they were made, and because they are about different times, hmm. are a reminder of what life is like before the internet. Oh, the yeah. Internet. Oh, yeah. The absence of cell phones hits The notion hard. of what boredom truly is. Because uh, oh, yeah. in 1965, you're doing this because you need something to do. There's no game for you to get yeah, involved yeah, in for six or seven hours. There's... <laughs> Like, yeah, so it's always something to do, but, like, there is a thing of which you need to do something, and you're very energetic, you're high, you mm. want, like, there's not the notion of just vibing, cool, for what, to do, to what, this, to music, but you gotta have a record player, you gotta have records, like, all that costs. Yeah. It, it really, like, there, yeah, the, the fact that, that social interaction used to be a much bigger part yeah. of existence also smoking well, is upstairs in the movie theater. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah that was the f i immediately like oh my god i had i i i like i came into like being alive at the end of that so even these movies are kind of in an era that i was that i existed in partially right um like they're from before i was born but like a little that existed into the 90s especially if like I lived in a very, very small rural town. We did not have cable. We mm. had dial-up internet that was reserved only for my mother because she was, like, a student, like, a working student. The boredom is something that I know very well, as well as the... You will do anything to make the boredom stop. Well, and also, <laughs> when you're on the job and there's nothing to do, mm. you're just on the job at the food court at the mall watching everyone else have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're uh, gonna do a classic. Yeah, it, it, it's a very sort of like insight into another time and place that's almost unfathomable. Mm -hmm. It's like when you watch old. Uh, I watched a Agnes Varda documentary, uh, Stereotypes, and it was just about like all mm -hmm. these workshops by her house and how like in mm -hmm. 1960s France, you just have this little shop, and if no one's there, you're just standing there waiting for someone to come by. And then you close up. <laughs> yeah, having having a thing in my device, or having a device in my pocket that like can give me books or music of any kind whenever I want, regardless of where I am, is really something I rely yeah. on a lot for sanity. I I also though did have a moment in um, Hollywood Nights where there's a scene where there's a dance and there's a dance floor and all the kids are crammed on the floor and you're just like, you know, they're singing some songs are being sung people or whatever and i had this instant flinch reaction of like that's a really big crowd and no one's wearing masks right <laughs> and so when we talk, like when yeah. you started to be like oh like this reminds you of a different time and yeah it does remind me of a time when you know uh we apparently did not care that smoking um destroyed your <laughs> skin and everyone around you and that also you should not be suntanning your nipples which can't callous and you're gonna end up with cancer uh, but also, like, a time when you could just be in a big crowd and not be, like, 
seems bad. I'll tell you what. Freaks me <laughs> out. Um, when Brad is working at the mini mart at the end, there's a mm. plate of cookies just sitting oh, on the ground. Ah, was that? The yeah. Why was that there? Register. For anyone, like, no, no, no. What? I, no. They, no. They are free, but they come with a price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they cut. They're free if you're willing to. The idea those of like, yeah, I'm gonna take cookies have been sitting out all night at the girl station, the leaded gas station. <laughs> what the, oh, the public restroom? Oh, oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh no, no. I don't think there was a public restroom. I think he okay. let Spicoli use the um the the. That doesn't make it better, but, like, uh, just (laughs) open food next to the register, you hand someone your money, and then stick your hands in a plate of cookies that everyone else is going to touch, probably while you're smoking, because everyone smoked indoors. (laughs) 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 Also, the way, like, now, like, at the time, like, yeah, Brad's a hero. Me? No. Why would you want (laughs) to knock the gun? I don't know. Just fuck it. I, just give him the money and go. I, I think like, it's, whatever. it's more fair in this one because uh, the guy is clearly sort of unstable. Like, Brad doesn't know how to open the safe. He's clearly a kid. Right. And this guy is, like, being aggressive to him in a way that's like, oh, you're going to end up shot. Right. So, so to me, this yeah. one is a little more fair because he hits the guy with the coffee cup, gets the gun away from him, and holds it on him. Because the man is, like, presenting an ongoing danger. Right. Honestly, it it like it, it just uh, brought to my mind uh, the original ending to Clerks, where Dante's <laughs> just shot in a robbery. Heck of a downer. <laughs> yeah, I kind of see why. That's they one of the times when like you've learned it's like you know what you are right to change it. It's a good note. They maybe don't go with. It. Oh, did you see? There's a new uh, Clerks movie coming out. Yeah. What? Yeah. Again? Uh, I'm not. We're not gonna get into. I actually that. liked I two pretty well. Left. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah, fair. sorry. You just they talk about that in the trailer. That's right. But also oh. like again, like Hollywood Nights um Matum sorry. I keep forgetting the guy's name. Mm-hmm. The diff uh Matrux does a very good job of making everything feel crowded. Yeah. Like Bad yeah. Times like does a lot of breathing room between characters. Where this one feels mm-hmm. because everything is in tight spaces, cars and everything, there is a sort of sense of weird claustrophobia. Or even just the really active diner. Like, they, you, there's cars, right. there's people that, that aren't involved in anything going on, but they're just in the space because it's a public space. Well, even the bathroom space. is tiny. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, I was really shocked by how much I liked Hollywood Nights. Good pick, Kara. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we could watch the rest of my childhood family films. You know, like, Noise is Off. Oh, Noise is Off is fantastic. I mean, I that is a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But also a little bit of a romp as well. I just realized that most of the movies that my family loved as a kid were like frenetic romps. Yes, yes because your your parents were in their early 20s. <laughs> yeah, my parents were like we were all kind of the same age. It's one of those things I like, it's one of those things where I look back at my child I'm like mom, why did you teach me how to play like four different types of poker when I was six? And she's like, because we lived in a town of 300 people and I was 24 years old and I was Board, you were the only toy that I had. We didn't have internet. We didn't have cable. What I had was you. Going back to the whole boredom thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I would encourage anyone who listens to this to think about the weird stuff that your parents did, and like think about how old they were when that happened, and how old you are now, and be like, yeah, yeah. If I was twenty-four years old, stuck in a house with a kid, I'd be like, what can I teach her to do? <laughs> I don't know. Like a find out. Like what can you do? Let's see how yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> 
Hey, honey, look what I taught her to do. Oh, my God. You know what? That was that was a thing. My mom would be like, I'm just going to teach you a little bit of Shakespeare and go and recite it to your dad. Just It's Saturday. Uh, what else? We don't have air conditioning. This is the moment. Uh, all right. That's all the time we have for now. Oh, it is. Uh, say goodbye, Thad. Okay. Say goodbye, Kat. I always want to have a bit here, but I never have one that I... More than goodbye, Kara. Well, that's a bit enough. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Bye.